When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey mama, we see you. All the visible and invisible work you do for others and yourself. That's why this Mother's Day, the Meditation for Women podcast has a special free guided meditation just for you. Stay to listen to hundreds of guided meditations available for you. Some to help you sleep, start your day, release anxiety, and tune into your intuition. Listen to Meditation for Women on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to think that Oprah could save us. Or really, that she could save my mom. My mom was a forklift operator at a paint and wallpaper factory. And things between her and my stepdad had been rocky for years. I wanted to change her life. I wanted to clap my hands and give my mom stability. I wanted Oprah to give my mom a house, like I'd seen on her show. When I think it is. Yes, it is. It's what you think it is. You're going to need to pack up your bags and everything else you own because we're going to make that lifelong dream come true. We bought you a new house. I thought about the letter I would send in, the sob story pitch I'd make about everything that my mom had sacrificed for me and my brother. I was only a teenager, but I understood the formula. The way you have to sell all your hardships and struggles in this perfect little package. I never did send the letter. But we all know this move, right? The reality TV we all love to devour. The game shows, the talk shows, the I guess I'm going to marry you if I win the show shows. A lot of that kind of TV has this trope where like, the way to win the game is to use anything awful that's happened to you. Money troubles, violence, health problems. You take that stuff and you spin it as the thing you're there to overcome. It's on home shows like Extreme Makeover. It's on The Bachelor, Queer Eye, America's Got Talent and The Voice. Competition shows like Survivor. I grew up in Los Angeles, California. My family didn't have college degrees. They had like addictions, right? Nobody went to college, they went to prison. I realized I knew how to sing after Katrina. Did you guys lose everything? Everything. This week, actually, my mom was released from federal prison. These shows often turn into a kind of poverty Olympics, where sometimes it seems like the point of the show is to see who has it the worst. Why are we drawn to these kinds of stories? In the world we live in, where some people have and some people do not, there is something to a story about someone who is suffering and the fantasy that somebody could swoop in and dramatically change everything in an instant. Maybe that's appealing because you feel guilty about your advantages. Or maybe you're imagining that it might be you who gets saved one day. From Pineapple Street Studios, this is Classy, a show about the chasms between us that are really hard to talk about, but too big to ignore. I'm Jonathan Menhivar, and it's here. This is the final episode of the series. As a fan of reality TV, as someone who understands that my emotions are being manipulated, 
and very much enjoying that my emotions are being manipulated. I've always wondered watching these kinds of shows, particularly when people are wringing out their traumas for the camera like this. What happens when those cameras turn off? And what part of that person's story didn't fit into the frame? Chasing those questions took me back about 70 years to the show that is possibly the source of this whole reality TV trope of people parading their suffering for the chance to be saved. And the more I learned about it, the more I discovered that that show, it's also the source of a lot of my shit too. Now watch yourselves in the monitor as I say, what you like to be queen for today? Queen for a Day was a television show that ran on NBC in the 50s and then ABC in the early 60s. Before that, it had been a radio show. It's been called the worst program on television. It was also immensely popular. Millions of people were watching it every day. Ad revenue and corporate sponsorship was rolling in. It was hosted by the guy you just heard there. His name was Jack Bailey. And the premise of the show was this. Each episode, four to five women were picked from the studio audience and pitted against each other to see who had it the worst. These were poor and working-class women dealing with horrific, but also kind of everyday problems. They'd come on and explain some hardship they were going through and ask for something that would help. I would like to have more than anything in the world a record player for my boy. He just had... uh, Open heart surgery in February. How old is this old boy? 15. He was 15 Saturday. He wants a, he likes music? Yes, he loves it. What kind of uh, music? Any kind. Yeah, bebop and all Mostly, that. Mostly, uh-huh. Yeah, they got the new twist junk. I don't understand that. You see how... One thing you really notice watching this show is that the women, they don't know how to sell their stories. They're nervous, oftentimes clearly upset. They're not schooled in the reality show vocabulary we all know now. The writer Megan O'Giblin first pointed this out in a piece for The New Yorker. The women are looking down at the ground. They're breathing heavy. Some of them are on the brink of tears. Did you get a good big deep breath? Well, you look so cute and shaky. Don't worry about a thing. Is that a new dress? It looks wonderful. What? No. This woman, Dorothy, she wants materials to build two sets of bunk beds for her kids. They live in a trailer, and they're all sharing beds. In another episode I saw... A woman needs her car fixed so she can get to her job as a nanny. And then there's this woman, Ruth. When it's her turn to talk to Jack Bailey, she's clutching and twisting this handkerchief in her hands, which Jack Bailey points out and makes fun of. And, and you've got shattered nerves. You're wrinkling your nice little handkerchief here. Did you tap that yourself? <laughs> no. Yeah, no, or something. You, you want a glass of water? We got some old stale water here. I wish you'd drink it. It's turning green. Maybe it'd help you. Jack Bailey, he's trying to be funny, I guess. But he's just tearing these women down. It's like your high school bully got his own TV show. It gets worse when the women, like this woman, Ruth, reveal what they've been dealing with. Yes, uh, I lost my husband in November. Oh, my God. a hunting accident. He was out hunting, and... uh, his buddy accidentally shot him. And, huh. uh, Leaving you with the two kids? Mm-hmm. Then why did you find it necessary to 
Ruth, what do you want as your queen for today? What can we do to help? Well, I'd like to go to school to learn a trade, uh, either be a beautician or anything. It's so hard to find a job now. I can't get a job, and I have no high school education. And then at the end of the show, it turns darker. All the women sit on stage behind a table, and then one by one, the audience decides basically which of them has it the worst. Now, we're going to have the voting by the people in the audience, and we'll have it right now. For your applause for candidate number one. While they're clapping, an applause meter appears on the screen, and the woman with the loudest claps, she gets to be queen for a day and have her wish granted. Number two. While this is going on, the women look pained. One woman on the panel, she's so nervous and upset that her chest is heaving. It's really hard to watch. These women have just told all of America how much they're suffering. And now the audience is determining if they've suffered enough. Finally, Jack Bailey crowns the winner. Number three, Ruth, the woman whose husband was shot in a hunting accident. I now crown you Queen Ruth. Queen for a day. They put a crown on Ruth and wrap her in this big royal robe, give her a dozen long stem roses. They grant her wish to go to beauty school, and they also give her a bunch of stuff she hasn't asked for. A big ironing machine, a hot water heater, and for her daughter, several Betsy Wetsy dolls and a new puppy. We don't see any of the other contestants again. I heard about this show several times when I was growing up because the thing I haven't told you yet is that sometime during the run of the show, my grandmother was on it. Her name's Maria. She's my mother's mom. She's a Mexican woman who married an American and moved to the U.S. My mom was two years old when they moved from one border town, Agua Prieta in Mexico, to the town just across the border, Douglas, Arizona. Growing up, I never understood what the show was. It was always talked about in the context of my grandmother's beauty. Like, oh, she was so beautiful that they let her on this TV show, Queen for a Day. At least, that's what my child brain thought. I knew the show rewarded and celebrated ordinary women. But I never knew the part about them having to sell their hardships like this. It was only when I started looking into it for this podcast that I understood how it all worked, how twisted it really was. And I really wanted to know, why was she on it? What misery was she parading in front of the cameras? I saw my mom at a wedding when I started working on this story and talked to her about the TV show, and she told me something really shocking. Stupidly, I didn't pull out my phone to record what she was saying. So I called her afterwards to tell me again. Can you tell me again, real, real quick, what you told me? So I said to you that, like, I asked you, what do you know what the show is? Like, what it was about? Right. And I said it was about reconnecting family members. Because um, my mom went on there to find my sister. Growing up, I knew this much about my Aunt Julieta. We always called her Tia Julie. She'd grown up in Mexico, but 
At some point, she came to live with my mom and her family in America. I'd never known it was connected to my grandmother's appearance on Queen for a Day. I, I had no idea that that's why she was on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she won second place. And I remember she looked beautiful on the, you know, because she was younger, much, of course. Um, and I remember they talked to her first and then they talked, she, she was the runner up. So they gave her a, you know, a whole bouquet of flowers, roses, and handed it to her. And then they told her that they were going to send her to Mexico to be reunited with her daughter. And did you know about Julie before then? No. Wow. Uh, all I know is my dad said, your mom's going to be on TV. And I said, oh. And then he put it on. And that's when he told me, you have a sister that she's bringing back to the States. And my sister was 10 years old. Wait, that's how you found out? Yeah. That's crazy, Mom. Yeah. I didn't even know I had a sister. Do you think she knew about you? No. No, I think she didn't even know she was going to be picked up. I can't believe it all unfolded like that. That is... Yeah. That's really crazy. Wow. Um, all right. Let me know if you want any more questions answered. Okay. All right. Okay, good. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I tried finding the episode my grandmother was on. I went on YouTube. I bought a DVD of old episodes, called and emailed universities and all the places that keep television archives. Very kind archivists dug around and told me, I'm sorry, we don't have the episode with your grandmother. It seemed like only about 8 to 12 episodes of Queen for a Day survived. One expert said the copies of the show had been thrown in the ocean. Another one told me the story he heard was that it was the Hudson River. The more likely story is that the networks reused tape back then. They'd record over old shows. They didn't think episodes were worth saving. Whatever happened, it was clear. My grandmother's appearance on Queen for a Day was gone. Have you ever heard of Queen for a Day? No. You, you've never heard of Queen for a Day? No. Okay. So, uh... Queen for a day. My cousin Angelina is five years older than me. Her mom was my Thea Julie, the one who supposedly came over as a result of Queen for a day. I wanted to talk to her because however this went down, the fact that my mother was brought to the U.S. and her mother was left behind in Mexico for years, all of that had a profound effect on the trajectory of my life and Angelina's life. Growing up, there was a notable class difference between the two of us. I was living with a working-class mom and stepdad who were renting a nice house in the suburbs. Angelina was growing up in L.A. with a single mom. For a period, they were homeless. My Thea Julie was struggling with alcoholism, and she passed away in 1992. This was the part of our story that didn't fit in the camera frame. When I called Angelina, she was driving. I explained the basic premise of Queen for a Day to her, and she had the appropriate reaction. That is fucking surreal. Okay. 
Okay. So the other part of this is that while I was growing up, I'd always heard that our grandmother was on this show. Oh, that Maria was on the show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me you fucking found that shit. So I, I didn't find it. I, I have tried to find it. Um, <laughs> but um, That is all we need in our goddamn narrative. O-F-G. Okay. Then I told her everything my mom had told me. That her dad sat her down one day and said, your mom's not here right now, but she's going to be on this TV show. And also, you have a long-lost sister. Okay. And that that is what our grandmother Maria went on the TV show to ask for. Was, oh, for my mom? Was to bring your mom to the United States. <laughs> okay. Okay. Once again, the U.S. came through and ruining somebody's fucking life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my god! Unbelievable. Okay, that's fascinating. Is, this is not. You've never heard this story. Oh, never. Wow. The plot thickens. <laughs> What's the story that you heard about how your mom got here? The only story my mom said was that she was in, she was in Tepic and Maria literally fucking appeared out of nowhere. Tepic is a city in central Mexico where our family's from. They lived in a rural area on the outskirts. It was basically the jungle. Angelina says that from what she knows, our grandmother wanted to bring my tia Julie to Whittier, California, where they were now living, where I grew up. But the family in Mexico said no. And then Maria was like, I'm just going to take her into town to, like, buy clothes. But she took her into town and abducted her, basically. So, like, literally from the moment my mother met her, Within 72 hours or within like four days, my mom was in Whittier with a total fucking stranger. Holy shit. Angelina said my tia lived with my mom and her family for a few years, but she fought being there the whole time. Eventually, it got bad enough that she left and ended up in the foster care system. So then my mom was in foster care for like four years. <sighs> Whoa. It's pretty gnarly. I was still deeply interested in answers that it was clear Angelina couldn't give me. I wanted to know what actually happened that day on Queen for a day. And the thing is, I could talk to my grandmother. She's still alive, living in Georgia. But I hadn't talked to her for decades. I knew as a reporter that's the thing I should do. Just pick up the phone and ask her about it. But what my mom said she shared on the show, the story of bringing her sister, my Thea Julie, to the United States, that was only the beginning of 
decades of some pretty dark family history. In my mom's house growing up, there was abuse and violence of all kinds. For my tia Julie, it ended tragically. When she was in her early 40s, she died of cirrhosis of the liver. And now that I think about it, it was around that time that we stopped talking to my grandmother. We'd fallen out with her before, and I can't even tell you exactly why, but it was all tied up in that family history. And the fact that my grandmother Maria was a Jehovah's Witness, and we were not. The last time I talked to my grandmother, I think I was about 15. I wish I could just call her and ask her about this, you know, but... But I feel like you can. Do you have her number? My mom has her number. Yeah. I was scared to call her. I don't know. I just, I haven't talked to her in so long. You know? I don't, I mean, I don't, I feel like for your mom and for my mom, Yeah. they have, they have such a like point, like she triggers the shit out of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like she trigger me, even if she talks shit about my mom or, and I also feel like I could glean things, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're convincing me to, that I should call. <laughs> you should. All right, so be continued. Love you, cousin. Love you, too. Uh, have a safe okay. drive home. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. When we come back, I get the courage to do what I should have done all along. I talked to my grandmother for the first time in 30 years. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest who celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now, I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully, no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Jonathan here, your very classy host. And when we left off, my cousin Angelina had just convinced me that I should call our grandmother Maria to find out more about her appearance on Queen for a Day and exactly what went down back then. It'd been at least 30 years since we'd last talked. And that wasn't a coincidence. My mom cut her out of our lives. And we'd never really been that close to begin with. 
I remember hanging out in her trailer home. I remember her chicken mole. I remember her giving me copies of the Watchtower whenever I got bored. But what I mostly remember is the absence. That having her in our lives had proved incredibly difficult. So she wasn't there. And now I was going to brush aside all that history to ask about a TV show? I was scared. I felt a weight in my chest. I held off making the call for about a month, making excuses, pretending other work was way more important. And then, finally, I ran out of time. I had to do it. I crawled into the closet where I record this show and pressed record. <sighs> okay. So, um... Oh, my God. Um, I'm about to call my grandma. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's see what happens. Hello? Hello. Is this Maria? Hello? Can, can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Uh, Maria, this is Jonathan, your grandson. What? Yes. Do... Wait, okay, honey. Okay. Where did you call him from? I, I live in New Jersey. Okay. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I know we haven't talked for a really long time. Yes. My grandmother is 87 now. She was obviously surprised to hear from me, but very willing to talk. She told me she remembered going to an amusement park with me when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. We went to Nassau Farm. I got the pictures in my room. I see you every day. I told her that I'm a reporter now, and I had some questions. I am doing a story about a TV show called Queen for a Day. Okay. Do you... Uh, um, my mom says that you were on this show. Yes. Yes. Y yeah. Uh, yes. Can you tell me about it? Um, one of my sisters, because you know I am Jehovah's Witness, I am the truth. She's saying, you know, I'm a Jehovah's Witness in the truth. She explained that one of her sisters in the church was going to a taping of the show with her mom. And they asked if my grandmother wanted to come along. So they go to Hollywood, they sit down in the audience... And my grandmother gets picked. She goes and talks to Jack Bailey. She said she wasn't nervous at all, just happy. And then she told me what she asked for. According to her, it was not to get my Tia Julie. I was asking to go and see my sister in Mexico City. Paula was having an operation. And it was in Mexico City. Tia Paula. Yeah. And then send me over there to see her. Okay. She told me that even though she didn't win, even though she got in second, Queen Faraday still granted her wish and decided to help her out. And they get a ticket and the plane, and then send me to Mexico City, and they pay for everything. They they paid for everything. Yeah. Clearly, this was a different story than what my mom had told me. Had my mom been confused? Was my grandmother not remembering it right? 
So I, I talked to my mom about this, and she remembers a different version of why you went on. She said that that you went on to get my tia Julie. Julie, Julie didn't came with me then. No. No. Uh, Julie was with me already in Whittier, California. She was already with you in Whittier? Yeah. I felt bad about continuing to push this old woman for details. And then before I could even think about my next question, my grandmother started telling me even more wild stuff. And I just want to give you a heads up that some of this is upsetting. She told me that while she was in Mexico on this Queen for a Day-funded trip, her mother threatened to kill her. In fact, she told me multiple stories about her mother threatening to kill her. We hadn't spoken for decades, and within half an hour, she was telling me deeply upsetting stories about the violence in our family. So maybe she'd come to visit her sick sister and taken my tia back to the States on the same trip? Or maybe she had the timeline wrong. When did you bring Julie? I don't remember. Okay. But I brought Julia before I went for Queen for a day. I see. That's why my mother was so angry with me. And he said, I'm going to kill you. So, according to my grandmother, she had brought Julie to the U.S. before Queen for a Day. And that's why her mom wanted to kill her. If the story had gone down like Angelina had been told, and my grandmother basically took Julie from our family in Mexico, who she was living with, that story sort of made sense. Although, my God, none of this makes any sense at all. When I got off the phone, I was shaking. What was I supposed to make of all of this? My grandmother couldn't remember the exact date or even the year when she went on the show. So I wouldn't be able to compare that to any immigration records or anything about when my Thea Julie came here. It was also clear that I wasn't going to be able to track down the episode. I called my mom again to make sure she hadn't remembered this wrong. And she insisted, no. My grandmother brought Julie after she was on Queen for a day. But at some point, it occurred to me, the particular details, they didn't really matter. Whatever my grandmother had asked for on Queen for a Day, whether she got my Tia Julie before or after being on the show, what difference did it make? What did matter to me now was all of those details. They were all part of a larger family history that I have generally avoided. Whenever people started talking about it, I just shut down. I went into turtle mode to protect myself because it was all so dark. And it wasn't just the story of what went on in Mexico that I avoided. It was the way that past reached across the border and affected all of our lives here. Not long after that call with my grandmother, I reached out to my cousin Angelina again. Hola, ¿cómo estás? Excelente. She came into our studio in Hollywood, and 
I shared with her everything that our grandmother Maria had told me. After our call, my grandmother even shared a couple pictures of her on Queen for a Day. One with Jack Bailey and the other contestants on the set of the show. And another picture of her getting off a plane on a runway. She's walking down the stairs of the plane, and she looks like Jackie O. I showed them to Angelina. Even though she won second place, they ended up flying her down. And that's the picture of, of her. Oh, my God. She looks like a movie star. I mean, her name is Maria Felix, so. Yeah, she does look like a movie star. She's, like, all in white, descending this staircase. Mm-hmm. She's got, like, her. a little white hat. Angelina didn't seem phased by the stories of violence my grandmother had shared. Because it was familiar to her. Angelina's house had been so chaotic and violent growing up. And she's managed to move so far from that. Now that she's got some space and some distance from it, she's started asking questions. She doesn't speak to our grandmother Maria either, but last summer she was in Tepic visiting our family in Mexico. And she was talking to our grandmother's brother. And I want to give you a warning. What you're about to hear has depictions of violence and abuse. You know, I grew up with so much violence. um, And... I asked, what's going on? Like, what is happening with all the violence? Because my mom, you know, she was, grandma had her when she was like 12 or 14 and then left her with our great-grandmother. And in those 10 years, my mom was severely abused with everybody in that house. And he said that his mom hated the women And he said she would try to hang them from the wooden beams of their palapa. And uh, there were just repeated um, moments where, you know, great-grandmother would uh, go into rages and really go after the women. Angelina said that once our grandmother had managed to escape that house... She wanted to get other people out, too. Grandma was kind of on a mission to rescue all the women. So she wanted to go to Mexico City and bring Tia Pola back to the United States to save her, supposedly, from our great-grandmother's, you know, violence and abuse. Angelina said that our grandmother Maria not only wanted to save her sister Pola, but all her sisters who were stuck in that house in Mexico. Maybe she was trying to save my Tia Julie, too. We'll probably never understand exactly how bad it all was. But Angelina and I are here now, trying to make sense of what happened. I wonder why you never heard about the show. I'm not sure my mom knew about it. Hmm. And my my mom came to the U.S. and raised holy hell because she basically came from the jungle to Whittier. What? <laughs> Literally. I mean, she was barefoot in the jungle of Nayarit and came to Whittier. Wow. And she didn't know any of these people. And she didn't speak English. What happened to my Tia Julie? It created this divide between me and Angelina growing up, where 
even though we were from the same family and were living just a 30-minute drive away, our lives were almost unrecognizable to each other. As a child, I found her reality scary and difficult to look at. You know, our mothers really lived harrowing lives. And then you and I went through the things that we went through, which were not easy at all. I'm in Hollywood. I hate Hollywood. This is where I was homeless. I can't stand it. It's okay. Um, It's okay to be here. But we, we had these experiences. And when I was a teenager, there were elders in the community who took me under their wing and really helped me. And I know that there are people who have helped you too. It's true. I have had help. My mom was constantly pushing, trying to make things better for us, working at that factory, using a friend's address so I could go to a better elementary school, moving to that neighborhood where we lived in Whittier, where even though we rented, I could swim in my neighbor's pool. I could do BMX tricks in the street. I think because my life has been a bit of a struggle, I've often neglected to look at all the advantages I've had. I think there was early on in in our relationship a kind of split that that created between you and me, you know, a Mm -hmm. difference where, like, I think you must have seen the life I was living and just thought I was, like, so privileged and and rich even, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, our situation was so extreme that I think any level beyond where we were, to me, was middle class or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of my experience of you, for example, even reading your um, description for this show and saying I was a working class Latinx kid, Mm -hmm. at this age, I can accept that. I get that. I didn't understand that when I was small. I thought, were you homeless? Was your brother in jail? (laughs) You know, I had like this whole list of things. No, then you ain't shit and you have nothing to say for yourself, right? I don't blame Angelina for feeling this way about me. I was doing it too. I was feeling the exact same way about the kids in my town who had more than me, harboring so much anger such an easy trap to fall into because it is unfair. It's very hard to sit with the reality that some people have it better off than you. Or maybe you have it better off than somebody else. That just feels gross. Especially when that person is your cousin. At some point, this class relationship between me and Angelina and all this tension, it flipped. She got a scholarship to go to college, and she went to Occidental. She was the first person I knew who'd gone to college. I went to see her there at least once, saw a play her friends were putting on. We smoked cigars in her backyard and listened to music she'd discovered on a trip to Cuba. I was young and lost, and Angelina had found a map. I wanted to borrow it. I saw what you were doing, and it just it was so... Up- Appealing and so, like, um, my world had been so closed off hmm. um, that I didn't, I just didn't, 
didn't have examples of like, how do I, you know, not work in a factory? I just, I didn't, I didn't see ways out. Um, I didn't understand how to get there. And I, I, I really do believe that you were one of the, the first ways that, um, like a, an, an example of, of that for me. Wow. I had no idea. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm so happy that my going to college, you know, kind of stirred something for you. I also didn't know that you felt so limited and trapped. And um, in a lot of ways, you, I want to say that you've actually been in survival mode. You've been doing well, but... um, you've been also recovering from experiences that you had growing up and trying to build your new life as first gen Mm -hmm. in the kind of life that you have. And you have not had examples. There have been things and people that have helped you, but in so many ways you've done it your own. And that's what you've been doing with your time, building a life that's like five and 10 times further ahead than our parents' experiences. Yeah. It's, um, I guess I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to have learned all this stuff. I mean, I, I, who would have thought that, like, this fucking TV show, you know, would have, like, unearthed this stuff for me? All of that family history, I've been taking it in over the last few months, really absorbing it for the first time. And I've gone from shaking about all the harrowing details to really feeling insanely grateful about where I am now. That story I've told myself about everything I didn't have growing up, it's become a story about what I don't have to deal with now. I have that family history but I also have a house full of books and a car that works and a gold chain I like to wear. I have a wife who gets me and we have a kid who's smart and funny and good at the drums. I have the map. For the longest time, I tried to blend in to hide all that stuff about where I came from, the good and the bad of it. But lately I've been borrowing this phrase Angelina uses all the time. Ike, and what? My parents are immigrants and my teeth are crooked and violence is only one generation away and I grew up working class and now I'm something different. Ike. So, 
Thanks so much for listening to Classy and hanging out with us here through all of these episodes. It's not too late to rate and review Classy on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You all have left some really thoughtful reviews, and it really is the best way for more people to discover the show. And our Classy Hotline is still open. We've really loved hearing your stories and questions. The number is 844-992-5277. If you want to keep up with what I'm doing, I'm on Twitter at J-O-N underscore Menhivar and Instagram at Broken Bulb. I want you to know that what we have made here, all of the ideas and feelings and jokes and what this whole thing sounds like, It's a team effort of a dedicated crew of super smart and classy people who made this idea a reality with me. Okay, now here's the part where I read their names. Classy is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's written and produced by me, Jonathan Menhivar. Our producer is Kristen Torres. Associate producer, Marina Hankey. Senior managing producer, Asha Saluja. Our editor is Haley Howell. Executive editor, Joel Lovell. Our assistant engineers are Sharon Bardalis and Jade Brooks. Engineering support for this episode from Javier Cruces. Senior engineers are Marina Pais and Pedro Alvira. Fact-checking by Tom Colligan. This episode was scored by me and mixed by Marina Pais. Music in this episode from Joseph Chavison, courtesy of Western Vinyl. Joseph Chavison and Vibrant Matter. And Chavison and Gunning, courtesy of Seance Center. Super big shout out to Joseph. So much of the sound of this show was defined by his music. Additional music from Epidemic Sound. Our artwork is by Kurt Courtney and Lauren Vira at Cadence 13. Marketing and promotion by Grace Cohen-Chin, Hilary Schuff, and Liz O'Malley. Legal services for Pineapple Street Studios by Crystal Tupia at Odyssey. Special thanks to Sophie Bridges, Kat Aaron, Jess Hackle, Leela Day, Bob Bowden, Jake Bitters, Victoria Thomas, John Ibsen, Matt Hart, and Hilary Frank. Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky are the executive producers at Pineapple Street. 